Welcome to Be The Light Podcast with C.B. Barthlow, lead pastor of Denver Beacon. I am your host, Pastor Ty Morris. Our desire is to lead the lost, the broken, and the hopelessness of our communities, to be light bearers in our city set on a hill. Now tune in for our sermon series. If you have your Bible, say, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you have a paper Bible, say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Those are all of the people who go first at the rapture. true. <laughs> Again, every year I get older, I get a little crankier and I'm just like, you got holy jeans on? What? No. All right, listen, we're going to start a new series today. I haven't preached all year this year. We, we've prayed the last two Sundays. And so um, I want to tell you, um, I'm, I've been wrestling with the Lord this week of whether or not we were supposed to just listen to him or, or to preach. And I finally fell uh, felt confident on what we're going to do today. I'm starting a three-week series today, and it's going to be a topical series. And if you know, at Beacon, we don't really do topical series. What we do is expository. We pick a book, and we start it, and we finish it in Jesus' name. And the reason we do that is because we believe in preaching the whole text in context to prevent pretext. Amen. We do not believe in cherry picking or proof texting or finding scripture that makes us feel good about ourselves and leaving out the other stuff. We believe in going all the way through it. But there are some times, saints, when it's important that we look at one specific topic and examine all the ways in which the Lord wants to talk to us about it. Amen. This series that will start this year for us, our year of maturity, our year of spiritual growth, this series is called Grown Folks. Grown Folks. Lean over, elbow your neighbor, and say, it's time to be a grown folk. Time to grow up. Grown Folks. This message, the first of the three, is called Responsibility. Next week, (laughs) who said, oh, Lord? I said responsibility. Worship team said, oh, Lord Jesus. (laughs) This week, we're talking about responsibility, okay? What it means to develop a responsible, private faith. Next week, we're going to talk about integrity. What it means to have public faith. And then the week after, we're going to talk about authority. What it means to have powerful faith. Now, the reason we're doing it in this order is because everybody wants authority. Come on, somebody. We all want powerful faith. We want title, position, power. We want to be able to cast out demons and declare things. We want the kind of faith that moves mountains. So when we speak, the enemy flees. Amen? And if you don't, you should. But most of us want to leapfrog to authority. And we need to be mindful that there is no such thing as shortcuts in the kingdom. Amen? So what we're going to do is talk about how this works. There's no authority without integrity. Come on now. And there is no integrity without responsibility. And so that's where we start our study today. Would you open your Bibles with me to Psalm 51? Psalm 51. It's credited as a Psalm of David. Psalm 51. I'm going to read just verses 1 through 6. Psalm 51. It's on the screen. I don't know if you can see that very well. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 6, it reads like this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. 
According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Responsibility. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you that you brought us here right now for this. God, soften our hearts, open our ears, that we might hear from your throne in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a sense that the Lord is about to do something mighty amongst our believers. I have a new sense of optimism that I haven't had in about 18 months. Something just shifted in the last two weeks. And I don't know if it's the, the insane level of spiritual attack that has come on the members of our church or the attack that's come on my own family. Many of you heard last week I fainted in the bathroom for the first time in my life. So weird. This week, my son's car was stolen out front of our house. So weird. This morning, we think there was probably a shooting right out front of the church. So weird. Don't be afraid. Nobody shoots at 10 a.m. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I've, I sense like that the enemy, and make no mistake, there's a real enemy. I feel like he's really mad at us. And I don't know if you've ever been in a season of spiritual attack where it just feels like it keeps coming and coming. And every time you sort of build up a wall of prayer around this thing, it comes in through the back door. You build up a wall and it comes in through the other side. I don't know if you've ever been in a season like this, but it's meant to knock you down or at the very least, just slow your roll a little bit. It's meant for you to just pause and be like, okay, you know what I should do is just like lock myself in the living room and watch Netflix, right? But Something has happened in me in the last couple of weeks as I continue to see the enemy sort of come after the health of our leaders and come after the mindsets of some of the people in our church and just come after us in a new measure. I'm, I just sort of like, I just kind of get a little bit, I, I'm a, I turn it a little bit more like Brandy. You know what I mean? I get a little bit more jumpy and a little more excited and I got a little loud and somebody was like, how are you doing? I'm like, I've had a terrible day and I just sense that the Lord is moving in a mighty fashion. I don't know what's going on, but I have a sense that there's a shifting in the atmosphere and that makes me really excited. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And I think it's because we're about to talk about some really hard stuff. Oh, Here's the deal. Today's message is meant to confront you in your sin. If you haven't been to Beacon in a while, <laughs> welcome back. We're going to have a really hard conversation today because you deserve it and he wants it and we are unwilling to stay the same. Amen? 
I want you to see this passage of scripture here. David, the king, this is a psalm attributed to him. Now, scholars will argue whether or not it was David who penned it or whether it was a scribe in his court or who penned it or a scribe who later on penned it as, a, as an homage to David and his life and ministry. No matter which way it works, this is one meant to reflect the heart of David, a man after God's own heart. And what it really is, if I'm telling you, is just a good old-fashioned plain, honest conversation between a sinful man and a perfect God. And that's where we're going to start our conversation today. It starts with an honest confession. Everything that you need to do with God, everything that he wants to start in you must begin with a little bit of honest chit chat back and forth. Can I tell you this today? Because I, I want to tell you right now, if you really think you got a big call on your life, if you sense there's purpose and you think there's something bigger than you, I want to tell you that unless you get honest with God, you will never get there in Jesus' name. You can't fake the funk. I'm telling you right now, you might be able to fool people, but God is not fooled and you will never walk in the fullness of the fruit that God's called you to. And so everything starts with a little bit of honesty. David says in the beginning of this pa passage, he, he says, have mercy on me. I want to tell you right now, right now, there is something on your life that the enemy is continually using to destroy, degrade, or just downright distract your life. There's, we all have something that we're walking in that's, that's just a hindrance, just a, a thorn, just a, a something. And, and you know what most of us are really good at? Ignoring it. This is how I know you're so good at it. Because most of us don't even know what it is. I'm talking to you about a secret sin that by now you've been so good at ignoring it, you don't even count it as sin anymore. And David, well, he has an honest conversation here today to demonstrate to us that you will never defeat what's on your life if you're not willing to discuss it with the one who gave you life. There is no overcoming without a good old-fashioned confrontation. And so David begins this journey with God by having an honest conversation with God. And he starts it and he says, have mercy on me, God. It's like he throws himself at the throne. He doesn't come right. His prayer isn't fancy. It's just good old-fashioned like, ha ha, messed up again. Hey, sorry. Those are really good prayers. You ever pray those prayers? God loves those prayers. He's such a fan of you when you're honest. Problem is, most of us aren't very honest and not with God. We're really good at talking to God. How you doing? It's good to see you again. Me? No, things are pretty good. Yeah. No, you know, I was uh, just walking in holiness, reading my Bible every hour. And, um, you know, I've been praying for a lot of people. <laughs> I've been worshiping deeply, deeply, no music, just out of the overflow. <laughs> and the Lord's like, are you kidding me? I watched what you watched last night. Horrendous. How many of you are fans of Yellowstone? I heard bad things about that. I heard some sins in that movie, that show. Jesus is watching, you know. <laughs> Listen, here's what I want to tell you. Most of us are actually not very good at being honest with God because it's, it's hard to be transparent with ourselves. 
because we know how God feels about some of these things. But here's the good news, okay? God does not tell you, come boldly before the throne of grace without some help in your life to come boldly before the throne of grace. See, you may not know this, but David is talking to God right now in this really deep and honest, transparent moment. And he's like, God, I'm the disaster and I need you. But David, even David, a man after God's own heart, didn't start this conversation of his own volition. God always sends someone to help you with an honest conversation. Even David had a man named Nathan. You see, in this time, there was a prophet. His name was Nathan. And he, he found David and found out about David and had the chutzpah to confront David. I want you to see something here. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9. Nathan talks to David, the king. And the prophet says, why have you despised the word of the Lord? <laughs> what if your friend said that to you on a Thursday, Rachel? <sighs> he says, why have you despised the word of the Lord? And, to do, and why have you done what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and you've taken his wife to be your wife and you killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. This is a straight up honest call out. Amen. Hmm. Let's just ask a real honest question today. Do you have a true friend who has spiritual authority in your life? Remember, the last part of that question is the most important part. I'm not asking if you got a true friend. I'm not asking you if you have somebody who's willing to fight for you without any questions asked, right? People always talk about their friends. If I'm going in, they're going in with me. They're my ride or die, my road dog. And I'm like, you don't need people. How old are you? You still fighting with people. What are you talking about? You don't need more people to just be like, let's go, bro. Come on. That is not grown folk stuff. You know what you need is someone to call you out. Man, this dude's been talking to me and I'm, I'm going to go off. And your friend's like, hey, you're 56 years old, bro. You're not, we are not, this is not happening. What you need is someone in your life to say, why don't you take some deep breaths, think this through, and then let's take it to the Lord. So there's the question. Let me ask it again. Do you have a real good friend with some spiritual authority to speak truth into your life. You need it. Amen? Hear me. That's the definition of a ride or die. Because they're here to help you ride to the kingdom. Otherwise, you're going to die. Amen? I hope you hear that phrase different from now on for the rest of your life. Someone says ride or die and you're like, spiritual authority, bro. That's so what I need. I need a good word in my life. Here's what you really need. You need somebody in your life who will tell you the truth and tell you that's wrong and that's right, who will hold you accountable, who will tell you this is what the Lord says. It's a high standard. His ways are not our ways, but we're going after his ways. Nothing lasts. Who's with me? And you say, pastor, I'm here. And I got to be honest with you. I'm the spiritual authority. I'm the, I'm the one in my friend group who loves Jesus. I can't expect them to tell me what to do. I don't have anybody like this 
Oh, you're here today, and you're like, I got a lot of friends, but you know what? We don't really go deep like that. We're not honest. Ready? I have good news for you. When you join a family of believers, when you join a church, what happens is you get a whole group of people willing to be honest with you if you're willing to let them. Ready? Including your pastor, right? Now, let's set the stage just real quick for a minute. I don't want to go any further, but here's something that's really important in your church, no matter whether it's Beacon or not. Here's the deal. At this church, at Beacon, we're family, and we act like family, and we're friendly, and I want to be your friend, but I will be of zero use to you if I'm only your friend. Let me, let me just, let me lay it out for you, okay? If I'm only buddy CB, then when the Lord puts a word in my heart for you, you will grow offended, not grow. And in your life, you need to have people who have authority over you or you will not grow. Amen? And I think we miss that in this generation because a lot of our churches and a lot of our leaders, they're just desperate to be your friends. I'm gonna tell you a real hard truth and don't take this the wrong way. I love you. I do not wanna be your friend. I don't wanna be your friend. I wanna be friendly with you but I am called to serve you, called to lead you, called to teach you, called to, ready, correct you, rebuke you, reform you, and push you so God can change you into who he wants you to be. And if you don't let me do that, I'll just be your buddy, and then you'll come here every week offended and cranky of, come on, don't come to church cranky. Come to church and say, this is going to hurt, and I like it. Because we want to be changed by God. Amen. So here's the deal. The only way that you can move forward in your life is to start getting real honest with God. That's difficult. So God sends people in your life to help you with honest conversations so that you will be honest with yourself and with God. Amen. We're there. And then here's what happens. David decides he's going to get real honest. And in verse three, he gets responsible in that honesty. He says this, I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Here's our real challenge as believers is most of us just don't see sin like God sees sin. We've heard of sin and we know the really bad sins. And depending on your theological tradition, there's some sins that are worse than others, right? Depending on what kind of church you go to, there will be some sins that are played up and pushed out. But it's easy for most of us because we haven't really done the kind of honest conversation and study with the Lord to really see sin the way that the Lord sees sin. And so here's what I want to tell you today in this part. This, this is a takeaway. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing that you got to do is you got to know what your sin is. And the reason I say it like that is because you know <laughs> what your neighbor's sin is don't you? You have somebody you're in a disagreement right now, and aren't you so acutely aware of their deficiencies in Christ Jesus? You ever go through a relationship? How many of you got in an argument on the way here? And you know exactly where the one you love has fallen short. And the way you pray is, Lord, fix that stubborn heart. Break them if you need to. 
bring him to a place of humility. I'm praying for you. We are so good at seeing sin in other people, and we are absolutely terrible at seeing our own sin. The reason is because most of us don't have spiritual eyes. Most of us are, are still, even though walking with the Lord in some sense, or even indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, still influenced by the ways of this world. That's the ever ebb and flow, push and pull of the enemy and his attack in this life is the control of your mind. And so most of us know a vague idea of sin, but the world doesn't hold the same idea of sin. See, the truth is, is that most of us today don't see our sin like God sees it. We see it through the world's lens. And as a result, we believe things like this. Hey, but don't hurt nobody. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many Christians go gambling? Oh, I lost half the church. All right. Ready? How many believers go gambling? <laughs> Raise your hands. I love it. I won't judge you. I'm going to yell at you. Here's the deal. It doesn't hurt anybody if you do it smart, right? There's all these rules. Take only what you need to gamble with. Don't take your credit card, right? Just do it safe so you can throw your money away. Think it all the way through. This is what they're telling you. Hey, don't lose your house. Just lose all your checking account this week. We don't want you to suffer massively because if you do, understand the way that the gaming industry works in this country is that if you enter into a treat, you may not know this, if you enter into a treatment program for a gaming addiction, gaming companies subsidize some of that treatment. Yeah. Did you know that? They pay for some of that. So they don't want you to go. And it ain't because they love you. It's because they don't want to pay for that. So they set up these rules to teach you how to sin. And it sounds like they care for you. And as long as it don't hurt nobody, what's the big deal? But the Lord tells us to be good stewards of our finances at all times. And so here's who it hurts. You. It hurts you. It hurts you to live up and down, thrilled by the danger of loss and taking what could be used for the good of the kingdom for something else. Amen? I didn't know I was going to preach on gambling. It's not in here. Interesting. All right. Who knows? Right spirit. There's other sins in this world that you and I all walk in in some form or fashion, and the reason that we become okay with it is because the world said it doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody notices. It's a victimless crime. It's not that big of a deal. The oldest profession in the world is one of those. Who really cares between two consenting adults? What's the big deal? That's what the world will tell you, and I'm going to tell you right now. It may not hurt anybody else, but it is destroying your vertical relationship with God. And God is watching. God, this, this got apostolic real quick, didn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is so easy to fall in love with the world when it tells you that if it feels good, do it. And God said, no, don't do it. Because every time that you find satisfaction, you find joy, you find fulfillment in something of this world that's fleeting, you turn from me. And I'm unwilling that you turn from me, for I died for you to save you from that sin. And every time that you come back, we got to start fresh. You're missing out on me. And the world says, if it feels good, and what happens to believers it's because we've been convinced by what the world is saying about sin. We become willing to live with 
what we can get away with. And I'm going to say that again because right now there is something in your life that you're getting away with. You, you do it and no one's caught on yet. You lie about everything and you got real good and you haven't been caught yet. You cheat. You don't pay your taxes. You cheat on your girlfriend. You have a two-timing, gossiping mouth and everyone who walks in your life gets talked bad about as soon as they exit the room. And no one's caught you yet. And so it is who you are. You've gotten away with it and you live in it. Hard truth, ready? You cannot enter eternal life with unrepentant sin. I don't know who told you you could, but that's not the gospel. The gospel doesn't say pray the prayer once, do whatever you want. The gospel doesn't say feel Jesus on a Sunday and then muck it up. It says, come to the Lord, all you who are weary and heavy loaden, and I will give you rest. What's rest mean? It means that your trust is placed in him, which means you're perfect. Nope, it means you're gonna make a million mistakes, but every mistake is followed by a moment of repentance and a change of heart that you don't have to make that mistake again. I wanna push today against the secret, quiet, minimal, baby sin, the white lie that you think is no big deal that is sending you to hell, hell because you've done convinced yourself it's not a big deal and there's gonna come a day where you'll stand before judgment and he will say, let's look at your life and all of the sudden the iniquity of this little thing that you think doesn't matter will be on full display before perfect righteousness, before total holiness, before God himself and it will become painfully clear to you that you justified sin for decades in your life and fooled yourself into thinking you were good when you were dead in your sin. David says, my sin is, it's ever before me. I, I can't look away from it. And when I think of you, it's all I think about. And I'm, I'm desperate that you might take it from me. Verse four and five. After David takes some responsibility for his sin, he recognizes that that sin has interrupted his relationship with God and he shifts his focus to be held responsible by God. It says this, against you and you only have I sinned. I've done evil in your sight that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Now this is a very difficult passage of scripture and scholars have debated over it for years because we just learned in this conversation between David and Nathan what David had done. Let's be real clear. David has sinned in a real way against real people. He stole another man's wife. That's bad. Amen? Y'all quiet like, eh. that's bad. Just, and then you know what he did? He killed that guy. 
And he killed that guy because he had the leadership to do it. That man was an armored, was, was, a, was a leader in the army under David's command. And David sent him to the front line against the Ammonites. And then the order was that the rest of the line would fall back, that the man would be alone on the battlefield. And he was slaughtered. And David did that. He took a wife and he took a life. And we can't minimize the impact of sin. Sin has real impact on the people around us. But David says in this prayer something that might make you angry if you've ever been sinned against in a real way, if you've ever been hurt by somebody or, or might even hit really hard if you've ever been cheated on or lost a loved one to somebody else's hand. David doesn't say, God, I sinned against Bathsheba and I sinned against Uriah and I sinned against all Israel. He says, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. And some people think that that's David stepping away from his, his guilt trying to make it super spiritual so he doesn't have to deal with the repercussions. And I want to tell you today, that is not the heart of this prayer. In fact, it's the very opposite. The reason that most people don't like that David is asking for forgiveness from people is because most people think that the only way you can get right in this world is to clean up the mess with people. And they forget that it's God who brought forth life and it's God who's over all things. And when sin falls, it's against God first. So when David takes a wife, it was God who brought forth that woman to become a wife. David took Bathsheba from God first. And when David took a life, it was Uriah's breath that God breathed into him. David took a life from God. And before he asks God, how do I make amends for the mess that I've created? He says, I realized that the mess is with you. And this is the shift that you and I have to make in our prayer life regarding our sin life. Most of us mostly try to make the mess tidy. Remember, I told you most of us live with the things that we can get away with. And one of the ways that we do it is we just sort of cover our tracks. What happened yesterday? Uh, just some stuff. Heard you got fired for cussing out your boss. No, it was just something else. Hey, man. Did you hit your girlfriend? Yeah, but we're good now. What do you mean? She forgave me. Oh, does that make it good? Do you see the difference? You see what I'm talking about here? You see, most of us think that when we make mistakes, if we can just make it so it looks like we didn't make any mistakes, well, then that's repentance. We even pretend to ourselves that that's a change of heart. We try to make it look nice and tidy, just like when you ask your kids to clean their room and you open the room and it's clean and then you look under the bed and in the closet and oh my God, that's most of us when cleaning ourselves up. It's a works-based faith that says, I'm going to Beacon on Sunday. Put your game face on. How you doing? So good. Just got up with late night last night doing homeless outreach. And it's just awesome to be of service. 
And most of us are like, whoa, they're super holy. And God's not fooled. Amen? God is not fooled. And David knows it. And he says, I sinned against you. It's you who I've turned my back on. And I need to get right with you before I can make anything right at all. And my challenge to many of you today is this, if you walk through this life and you feel like you've made a mistake, get right with God first before you go make amends. Get right with the Lord first. Get honest with him first. Set the stage straight with him before you go fix anything else. Here's why. Verses five and six, this last part, this, all of this brings us to how David demonstrates to us how we take our responsibility, not just honest conversation that sets us up to be responsible for our sin and, and not just responsible before our God against whom we've sinned, but also how, how we can take all of this and put it into practice so we can be grown-ups, mature believers, spiritually grown folks who are responsible for ourselves, who can be accountable, who can be counted on, who can help, who can be true, who can be honest, who can be seen as what they say and what they do is the same. They know God and I know that for sure. This is what the whole conversation is about. David says in verse five, he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin did my mother conceive me. He says, I was always in sin. This is the nature of us as humans. Sin has a hold on us. But verse six, behold, God, you delight in truth in the secret place. He says, it's in my inward being, in my secret heart. He says, God, I found that when I'm with you, and I bear myself before you. I get access to an aspect of you I've never had before. You see, this is why a lot of people tell me, Pastor, I keep praying and nothing's changing. Pastor, we, we, I, I just keep doing all the things you tell me to do and nothing, is, nothing works. I'm still stuck in this addiction and our marriage is still broken and I don't understand it. And I want to tell you today, and I don't say it in those conversations because it's my job to be sitting with you and loving you. But I want to tell you from the authority of this, this pulpit right here with the word behind me, which is this. Unless you are honest with God, unless you are honest with God, unless you are honest with God, nothing changes. You don't get to walk up to God and go, I don't want to talk about sin. I want you to fix this scenario. He says, no, but the sin issue is the only issue. I don't want that. I want, I want blessing. I want goodness. He says, you need forgiveness. I don't want to talk about that. And David says, I found that you delight, that you impart wisdom, verse 6. When you really see me, and I want you to see me. So here's our call today. Heretofore, you've been in the presence of the Lord. You've said the prayer, sang the songs felt the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, maybe 
for you every Sunday, there's just been this nagging tug, this sense that there's still something left to be fixed between you and God. We won't go one step further as a church until you are free from that. Hear me. We're not going to walk through Galatians. We're going to talk about the hope of Ruth. We're not going to go back into the book of Luke in the fall. We're not doing anything until you leave this place honest and set free and responsible before God. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand to your feet. We don't always do this. And our, our little confidence monitor is out, so I have no idea what time it is. Great. You're here today, and this message has just been wrecking you. You know this is for you. It's frustrating. And there's a thing in your life, and God said, today is the day. I'm done with it, and you're done with it. We're getting rid of it. No more secrets. No more justification, no more stories, no more pretending. I want, he says this to you right now, I want every last bit of you. That's you. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. You say, wait, hold on, we don't do this. Yes, we don't, but we do today. That's you. And the Lord said, I want all of you, I want you to meet me down here right now. And we're not going to talk about what your sin is. We're not going to expose you. That is between you and the Lord, just as David might pray it. And I'm going to tell you right now that you think this isn't for you. This is for you because this was for me this week. This was a message for me this week where the Lord told me there is a faking of the funk and we got to fix it today. Right now, everyone in this room with whom the Lord is dealing with you secretly, it might be a porn addiction. It might be a broken relationship. It might be the way that you use your words. It might be the fact of the matter that you aren't even sure if you're really saved, but you're hoping no one catches on. Today is the day we're breaking it off your life. And I'm going to wait. Let's come on down. Let's just make a little room for our brothers and sisters here. You're still here. You're still waiting. Still wondering. There it is. Amen. Right word. Right moment. Right now. I'm going to give you just a couple more minutes. Anybody who's told themselves, this is for them, good for them. Not for me. Ask the Lord one more time. Is this me? Is this, is this for me? Everyone at this altar... I want to ask you to do something we don't usually do. So you might think I called you down here to pray a prayer of penance. Oof, my God, it's right here. Yeah. You might think that I called you down here to weep and gnash through your sin and to be set free and beg him to love you and to be good for you, but that is not what we're about to do in this moment. There's something mighty that comes from forgiveness, amen? There's a spirit of joy that comes from forgiveness. See, I read you the story about David and Nathan, and in chapter 9, Nathan called David out, told him good old-fashioned hard truth, hurt his feelings. And in verse 13, David responded, as much of you have just responded, and David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
And Nathan said, hey, come on. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. <laughs> you shall not die. I invited you down here today not to cry out and to beg for mercy, but to celebrate that mercy has already been given, that life has already been bestowed, that all it was was a matter of you aligning your heart. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Right now, I'm gonna ask you to extend your hands upward. This is the position of victory. This is the position of victory. This is the position of victory. You know what it also looks like? It looks like surrender. It looks like I give up. It looks like I'm done fighting. It looks like I don't wanna do it no more. I don't wanna be all by myself. I don't wanna fight you. I don't wanna lose. I wanna win. This is how we stand in Jesus' name. Now, I want to worship in this moment. And as we worship, I want you to cry out with the kind of praise and the kind of worship that says, even though I stumble, he still loves me. Even though I fall, he gets me up. Woo. Keep that posture today. God, we love you. God, we praise you. Yeah, God, we love you. Thanks for joining Be The Light Podcast with lead pastor C.B. Barthlow. Visit our website at denverbeacon.org. To download our Beacon app, text Beacon to 97000. Once again, text Beacon to 97000. Whatever you do, please remember to be the light. Let's go! Let's go!